0: And now, it's time for the Shake and Blake Show, live on Wildcat 91.9. i oh,
1: love say it one more time. Shake and bake! Shake and bake! Shake and bake it! <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah! It rhymes. They're both verbs.
0: Awesome. Blake Crawford. The Shake and Blake Bowl. It's at Bell Snyder Family Stadium. It's just our faces on center field. John Grove.
2: I think for K-State, in order to be successful,
0: you're going to have to open up that passing game. Bring you all things K-State sports and even more.
2: And it's Shakin
0: Blake 10 Welcome everybody into the Shaken Blake show live on Wildcat ninety one nine. My name is Blake Crawford alongside John Grove as always. John, how are you? I'm doing good, Blake. How are you doing? I'm um, I'm doing what? Well. You don't have anything else to add Friday? Uh, honestly, this has
2: probably been one of the more uneventful weeks. Wow, well, except, that's a- except losing Sailor on Tuesday at one point, but I just went into Verizon and they just they just got it working uh, right after a snap of a finger, and it, everything Whoa. was set. I it's not know. the darndest thing. I know, but first the first time I lost Sailor, they couldn't do they couldn't do anything about it. like, yeah. I, like they had to spend like two hours on it, and then the next thing you know.
0: One of the young one of the youngest people who worked there was able to do it in like five minutes. That's just a, it's just a classic. Well, if you don't know, you're listening to the Shake and Blake show live here in Wildcat 91.9. 9. Blake Crawford, John Grove or a K State sports podcast. We don't just do our live shows on Wildcat 91.9. one nine, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I mean, John, basketball season's coming up. We're going to be talking about recapping the Big 12 media days. We're probably going to have to devote an entire episode, not on Wildcat 91.9, for our men's basketball and women's basketball preview. So if you want to hear stuff like that in the future, make sure you find the Shake and Blake show wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to know when we're posting episodes or what kinds of – stupid stuff I'm tweeting about. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at ShakenBlake785. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, make sure to leave a review as well. we got a great show lined up for you. Uh, we're going to talk with Anthony North from Frogs of War. It'll help us preview Baylor. We're going to do some Wildcat headlines. Volleyball. Just, a, just a Baylor? Oh my God. Well, John, I, I keep saying. Oh, I'm looking at okay. versus TCU. I'm so sorry. Help us oh, preview TCU. God. I'm going to pull a U, John. It's been a long day. <laughs> We got some Wildcat headlines, Um, you know, volleyball with a big win at OU, soccer playing right after we're done here tonight, recapping Big 12 media days going around the Big 12. We'll give our keys to victories and score predictions for the TCU game. Um, (laughs) And then we'll also do a little Migo High School football preview that is going to be at the top of the hour after our show. But let's start here, John. This is obviously a really big game. You know, 17th ranked K-State against, I believe, 8th ranked TCU. Mm -hmm. Uh, 7th or 8th. 7th or 8th, depending on where you look. Um, Let me start here, John. This is the most important K-State game since? I'd probably say 2014.
2: Probably that was back when K-State last contended for really the Big 12 championship along with uh, TCU and Baylor that year. If I would have to choose in, in terms of like the the Big Twelve race, probably probably the Bay, the Baylor game in twenty fourteen and Waco. But in terms of like who has a chance to really take the driver's seat moving forward with the rest of the schedule, K State has K State has ha, hasn't had a better opportunity than this. Uh, since the TCU game in 2014.
0: Yeah, I have the exact—that's actually why I said Baylor on accident. I'm looking at my notes, and I said, most important game since when? And I had written down 2014 versus Baylor. You know, College Game Day was there. That was the last time K-State really was contending for a Big 12 title. You know, you have some—you know, we're ranked 16th in 2020, right? But Skylar Thompson's hurt, you know, that just didn't feel mm. the same. And West Virginia really exposed K State. Yeah, that's a tough where one, we too. Had to
2: boun- bounce out of a top 25.
0: 2019, kind of a similar story. You managed to get ranked, but, you know, go on, lose a couple games early. Mm-hmm. You know, 2015 through 2018, you know, I mean, 2016 was a decent year, but I don't think we were realistically contending for a Big 12 title. Um, I think 2014, you have to go all the way back to then versus that Baylor game. Um, and, I mean, John, it's a big slate up ahead for these three games, you know, TCU on the road, Oklahoma State at home, Texas at home as well, I believe. I mean, these are the three games that are going to define whether K-State's going to go to Arlington or not. And really,
2: for everybody, like for the, for the top four teams in the Big 12 right now, you just mentioned TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas, they're all going to start beating up on each other. We just saw Oklahoma State and TCU last week. We're seeing Oklahoma State play Texas as well. These next these next three weeks, and I believe TCU and Texas play later this year. This is going to really define the Big Twelve race, and really for everybody everybody's season, and, and and not even for it. I mean, even everybody else who's not contending for a Big Twelve title. I mean, we see Kansas and Baylor. I mean, that that's really going to really uh, really tell who's still kind of in the race and then who's. Uh, just fine for bowl eligibility at this point. Just, it's just there's a lot on the line this week, Blake.
0: Yeah, there is. I mean, you know, the Oklahoma State, um, oh my, Texas game. Sorry, I totally blanked out. That's going to be another huge game that's going to decide who goes to Arlington, Kansas, Baylor. Obviously, KU just needs they need one more win, John, one more win to be bowl eligible, and we'll talk about that later on in the show. Um, but to help us preview TCU, we got Anthony North from Frogs of War. We're going to pause sixty seconds, and then we'll hear from Anthony North helping us preview TCU. Whole lot more coming up next on the Shaken Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. All right, Anthony North from Frogs of War podcast joins us here. Thank you so much for coming on, Anthony. Now, before we get into any questions, I just I think I got to just—it's the first thing that's coming to my mind. I mean, look at us. Who would have thought, you know, who would have thought here we are, not me, definitely not me, you know, but two purple teams battling for first place, middle of the season, top Uh, of the
1: big 12. Here we are.
0: Yeah. Both in pretty good spots to be, um, coming to this Saturday, how are TCU fans really uh,
1: feeling? Yeah, I think, I think TCU fans are super excited. There's, there's been kind of a general nervous energy about how successful things have gone, but, um, Way far exceeded expectations for this season coming off a, uh, you know, five and seven year where we, the TCU lets go, let's Gary Patterson head out uh, to pasture and, and brings in Sonny Dykes from SMU. So not really knowing what to expect coming into the season, how, how would these same players kind of come in and rally around the new coaching staff? And so for the most part, everyone's just really thrilled with how successful it's gone so far.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that journey a little bit. Cause it's, it's really interesting. I mean, you're preseason seventh in the big 12, which that preseason poll is just, just bonkers. I mean, Baylor and Oklahoma are one and two. I mean, who would have thought, but you know, first year coach Sonny Dykes, you know, after kind of a, you mentioned the kind of the sour departure of Gary P- Patterson, you know, Chandler Morris is the one who gets the start week one. He gets down, uh, goes down. Max Duggan comes in and you just kind of get the ball rolling, keep winning from there talk to me about that journey that the TCU fan base has gone through for these first six games.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, especially the the story of Max Duggan of, uh, of, you know, several years starter comes in, has to start as a freshman and, and he's out here. uh, You know, he he has a heart condition that is found during COVID that, you know, sets him back and who knows if he's even going to play football again. And then, uh, you know, he comes in new coaching staff and, and he's, Put as the backup to to Chandler Morris and uh, gets kind of thrown into the fire there in that Colorado game and and luckily enough for TCU Colorado is pretty terrible so we're we're able to to step in and and jump in but he's you know been doing things that TCU fans have all been looking for out of him for for years and and has been really able to flourish under the new coaching staff and um, so yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of emotions for TCU fans tied to Gary Patterson, obviously bringing this program to to new heights into the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, all the Rose Bowl and BCS games and all of that stuff. Um, but it it's been nice to see this new energy and and that things have picked right back up and and continued to exceed expectations thus far.
0: Yeah, I mean it's been quite a journey. And part of that journey is, I mean, you've faced three ranked teams in a row and you've beat all of them. Thank you so much for beating KU, by the way. They were starting to get so insufferable. With and
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> you are you have struck no midnight idea. on that Cinderella. Yeah, yeah.
0: You have no idea how much good work you did there. Anyway, and so coming into this K-State game, your fourth straight ranked game in a row. Um, is there especially after two really, you know, high stakes, close games, you know, coming off a double OT win against Oklahoma state. Is there any sense of fatigue among the players or, you know, even the fan base? They're two crazy games.
1: I don't think, I don't think the players are feeling it. In fact, I I think they're kind of feeding off of it. Uh, You know, hearing the way that they speak in, in press conferences, when, when they're met with the media, they, they all seem to be relishing in it actually Um, you know, living for that moment and having an early bye week before that string of, of key games it's kind of, they haven't had a chance to slow down at all. So I think for the players, it's not really hitting yet. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a couple of injuries that, that may be key, but um, for the fans though, I think it's definitely, you can only sit revved up to 11 uh, for so long. It's just a lot of nervous energy. Uh, yeah. The the three ranked conference games, but uh, also the game before against SMU with a, the Crosstown rival and and, the, the coaching turnover and all of kind of the vitriol that came with that. So uh, it, it's been, it's been a lot of nervous energy and, and feeling like, okay, is this going to be the time where it's, you know, we get knocked back down to earth and very well could happen this week against uh, your Kansas state team. But I think it's, it's uh, that's, <laughs> that's the fatigue is, Oh man, it, it, a lot of, we've been sitting at, at the peak of of anxiety and yeah these last two thrillers uh that last minute kansas game and then a double overtime obviously at home storming the field um exciting times but yeah certainly filled with anxiety each time the frogs take the field
0: yeah and uh i mean let's talk about this tcu offense a little bit because it's obviously electric i mean you're pat you know almost passing for 300 yards a game rushing for 230 Um, but I think the thing that a lot of K state fans, you know, they're having nightmares about at night is Quentin Johnston. I mean, Oh my gosh, that dude is a monster. I mean, from your perspective, is there, is there anything you can do to stop him when he's just locked
1: in? Well, I think, sure. You could, you can throw extra defensive resources at him and, and we saw it earlier in the season. It took him a little bit to get revved up until, uh, until that Kansas game, you know, he was maybe under 50 yards, those first three games. And part of that is, everybody else on the TCU offense was getting a lot of opportunity. So, you know, anytime that a defense does take those resources to maybe double team them or send extra safety help towards QJ. Yeah. It just leaves. There's a lot of other skill talent that is really strong and, and sure handed catchers and, and sure route runners and big, tall guys. Um, so that's, that's the way to stop them, but I don't know that that stops the TCU offense. So I think there'll be other ways to, you know, maybe pressure on the quarterback. That is, is really the key. I think the Kansas state defensive line will definitely have an opportunity, probably the best defensive line that, that TCU's faced yet this season. So I'm a huge test for the frogs uh, offensive line and uh Max Duggan to to get the ball out in time to be able to give Quentin Johnston an opportunity to go make his spectacular um superhuman plays out there.
0: Yeah. I mean I'm sure you guys still have forgotten what Felix and Udke Uzama did last year. We sure haven't. He's um, a monster. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <it's> nightmares.
0: <laughs> Should have been six sacks, but you know, where who's counting? <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, I was wondering if you could give us a few players to watch. We've obviously mentioned Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston, but maybe somebody, people on the defensive end. There's obviously a ton of weapons on the offensive end besides those two. But you give us a few players to watch on the defensive end.
1: Yeah. So defensively, you know, probably the, the star uh, coming into the season was Travis Hodges Tomlinson, nephew of TCU Great, Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, cornerback usually lines up with the the top wide receiver for uh, the opposing offense. And, and he's been solid through this season, um, been a really sure tackler out there, but has gotten beat by maybe some taller receivers. Uh, the surprise on the defensive end has been on the other side at corner, Josh Newton transferred in from Louisiana Monroe. And he's just been, uh, you know, a, a, a true leader right from, from the get-go. He's a, a voice in the locker room, um, a motivator on the field. Last week against Oklahoma State, I think he had like nine targets, only gave up two or three receptions. So he he's really been uh, able to keep things clean on the other side of the field while Tomlinson takes on kind of the top dog um, on his end The the other big name to know uh, on TCU's defense is D winter's linebacker. Um, He's been with the program for a few years now. And um, in this new Joe Gillespie defense, he kind of serves as that quarterback in the three, three, five, from the linebacker position to where he's, he's guiding things out there. He, he leads TCU in sacks right now as well from linebacker position with four and a half. Um, So with for TCU, that linebacker position is a little bit thin at the moment. Marcel Brooks is now out for the season. Um, so the the linebacker core will really have to step up, and it's led in full by by D Winters.
0: Now, specifically for this K-State matchup, what are you kind of keeping your eye on? What are the kind of keys you see for TCU if they want to stay undefeated in the Big 12?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think defensively th- that – Kansas state running game is, is frightening. Deuce Vaughn has done it to TCU. He's done it to everybody. um, You know, I think that game against Iowa state was probably not indicative of what's going to happen the the rest of the way. And and against TCU, slowing him and, you know, whether it's, I, I can see him getting out loose. And, and so basically keeping him under control while also having to spy Martinez, I think it's, it's a real challenge for this TCU defense to, to scheme up ways to to make sure that that running game uh, doesn't really get going. Uh, so I, I think that's, that's an obvious key. And obviously on the offensive side, it's really just making sure Felix doesn't cause massive problems all day in the TCU backfield. I think if, if you're able to, to contain him and, and not uh, and, and allow the offense to run, if, if things get, really off schedule, that's where TCU can, can get into some bad situations in this game because really that's the kind of uh, issues offensively that TCU hasn't had to face yet this season, even though, you know, there's been some strong um, defensive lines that they've gone up against in Kansas and Oklahoma state, but, but nothing like this K-State team. So I, I would say that's, that's probably obvious keys to the, to victory, stopping the stars on the opposing side, but um You know, I think just doing what TCU does, if you are able to make those stopping the big problems from from the stars on Kansas State, TCU might be able to to just kind of grind their way to to yards and victory.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing, if I could add one thing in there, I think turnovers is going to be a big thing because, I mean, both quarterbacks, I mean, Max Duggan's interception is basically a garbage time pick that he was just throwing a Hail Mary at halftime. Adrian Martinez, the only FBS quarterback to not throw an interception this season. Both teams really good at taking care of the ball. So I think if both, you know, whichever team can take care of the ball better or force a turnover uh, might come out with a win. I know you said in your pod, I believe it was 31-30 was your score prediction? Yeah, yeah that was my projection. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> Thanks Man, for be... listening to the pod, by the oh, way. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, i got to do my research. That is... <laughs> that's correct. That's my projection there. Mostly that just comes from, I do think that uh, Kansas State will be able to score some points. That The total on this game is something like 54, which is significantly lower than any TCU game uh, thus far this season. And I don't know. I think it's going to go over that. I think there are going to be points scored in this game, and it's going to come down to, to kind of a coin flip. I think these teams are very, very evenly matched um really strong in in a lot of key spots on both sides so uh yeah that's you know i have to i have to give it to the frogs but but uh, i think it it could go 31 30 the other way just as easy
0: yeah I, def- I definitely i respect the homerism obviously i mean i i, I pick case <laughs> state every game this season so um thank you so much for coming on let's end with this you know, whatever happens on Saturday, um, hopefully we'll see each other again in Arlington. So that's, that's all I'll say, playing for a Big 12 championship. If we can get a second straight year with no OU Texas, that's a success for the Big 12. So uh, thanks for coming on. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. That was Anthony North from Frogs O War. If you want to hear more from them, you can check out their affiliate of SB Nation for TCU. You can find them at Frogs O War on Twitter or anything they do online for the SB Nation website. Uh, we got a great show lined up. Thanks so much for Anthony to coming on. But coming up next, Wildcat headlines talking about volleyball, soccer, big twelve, media days, keys to victory, score prediction, and Willmigo High School Football next on the Shake and Blake show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shaken Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove here to do some Wildcat headlines. Let's start with volleyball, John. Uh, volleyball t- uh, it was a tough game against in Norman on Tuesday, go down two sets to nothing, but they do the reverse sweeping mm-hmm. this time. They beat Oklahoma on the road in five sets. A good bounce back win, a much needed win. John, you do not want to be in a three game losing streak going into playing Baylor and then Texas immediately after that. Number fourteen Baylor, and right after that, number
2: well, actually number number one Texas, but they did fall this week to Iowa State and Ames. So wow, uh, something to take take note of. But God's can um, believe. You know, after two five setters and the TCU get, TCU match. Um, What was it? Was it on when? No, Tuesday. It was last. It was last week. Uh, I I don't
0: know. Oh, sorry, TCU. Sorry,
2: timing. You know, it was on Saturday. But but, um, (laughs) K State. K State. They got reverse swept by TCU this past weekend, but they managed to pull off a reverse sweep in Norman. Really, a place that has given K State a lot of difficulties in the past. Um, Aaliyah Carter. She had a great performance, bouncing back. She had 16 kills, hit two uh, uh, 297, and her highest outputs since September 24th. I mean, you also had the outside hitters. They added two aces, seven digs, and her and in her 19-point uh, run as well. Um, Mackenzie Morris, uh, she led both teams with a career best 29 digs. Wow! She is really helping up this this defense. And then, and then uh, Lauren Henkel. Tyler, her 99th ace of her service career, she only has one more. We'll see if she can do it against the 14th-ranked Baylor
0: Bears. Hopefully she can. The thing that stuck out to me, John, is she started hitting the ball a lot better in the third, fourth, and fifth set as well. And in the third and fourth set, only four errors combined in those two sets compared to OU's 12. Um, That's definitely going to make a big difference, especially, I mean, they won the fourth set big, 25 15, a big win for them. Again, I mean, they're going to play Baylor tomorrow in Bramlage, 1 p.m. Go ahead and show up because, I mean, you got nothing else going on because you got, you know, K-State football not till 7 p.m. So mm-hmm. and there's not I don't know what's on the 11 a.m. slate. Not not much for the Big 12. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Big 12 media date for women's basketball. John. They were over in KC. Coach Mitty had a lot of praise for Serena Sundell. He mentioned how they've been able to bring, you know, shooting was a struggle last year. They've been able to do that in the transfer portal and recruiting people like Gabby Gre- Gregory, excuse me, and Cher Samazzi. Here's what Serena Sundell had to say about her experience as a freshman making the postseason.
2: As a freshman last year going to the postseason, I knew it was a really special experience for our team. And we just kind of lived in the moment and took every opportunity we could. And I think we want to use that momentum from last year going in to this year and kind of setting it as our standard. You know, that's definitely a goal of ours this year is to get back to that tournament and have the same opportunities.
0: It's it's definitely gonna be a little tougher this year making the tournament without your star player Aoka Lee. It's just a heartbreaking loss, but this is still a good team. It's still a really young team. Um, you know, Serena Sundell and the Glenn Twins are only sophomores this year, and they're only going to get better.
2: And you know, it's a great thing to see some of the younger Wildcats take on leadership, uh, more of a leadership type of role uh, for this team. You know, K State finished twenty and thirteen last season, got them to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, that the loss for Yoki. Uh, that was a um, that was that that was really a gut punch uh, from for not only them but uh, from a K State fans perspective. You really wanted to see her play this year, um, but nonetheless, you bring back Serena Sundell, you, Riley Glenn, Jalen Glenn to really steer K State back into the tournament conversation this year. And then you also bring in a lot a lot of transfers who can provide uh who, who can provide some assistance with the offense as well. Given how 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 kind of Just inconsistent the offense was last year, Yeah, besides Aoka Lee, and she had some down parts as well. But nonetheless, I'm looking forward to seeing this team play.
0: Yeah, it should still be a ton of fun. Let's move on to men's basketball, John. Um, Jerome Tang, I mean, come on, Jerome Tang in the media, you know he crushed it. He presented Uh, himself very well. Um, You know, he was asked some stupid questions by some people. Um, I mean, you know, Kansas City. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you're praising, just gonna say it, raising <laughs> the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about whether KU winning a national championship was good for uh, K State, the Big Twelve. You know, he, he responded very well. You know, rising ship raises all tide. Rising tide raises all ships. Um, you know, he threw a bunch of caveats into the question, which are he already knew it was a bad question. But I mean, you know, um, you know, he mentioned obviously that the last two national champions are from the Big Twelve. Tang obviously being a part of one of those teams with mm-hmm. Baylor. Um, Keontae Johnson, transferred from Florida, said he's taken a more vocal role as a leader with K State and his experience that he's had. Him and Naquan Tomlin, um, were, you know, when they're asked about why they chose K State, they were quick to mention the coaching staff and how you know Coach Tang was. He's not looking to rebuild; he's looking to just elevate and obviously you know get the winning started right away. Um, you know, I think the, the players, John, if you didn't catch the preseason poll, obviously um, they were picked last in the Big 12. The players and coaches are definitely aware of that. Mm-hmm. And it's all over the locker room uh, to remind them. Tang said he does want to bring back Sandstorm. Uh similar project to Wabash will take a little bit more work, though probably. Probably um,
2: just gotta hope it's probably it just probably gotta hope it's not against KU. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's KU, that's I mean, that's, that's gonna not- be, that's that'd be the difficulty would be raised
0: yeah. to a max. I just got level. a couple other things, John. Um, he had a lot of praise for the 2022 recruits this year, Dorian Finister and Taj Manning. Um, he noted that you know he's, he's they've been exactly what he's wanted. Um, he notes that 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 some of that you know the work that they put in so far might not show this year, but it will definitely show in the future. Um, and he wants his team to be described as tough, gritty, and fast. Is there anything else that you um, heard about at uh, Big 12 Media Day for the men's basketball team you want to mention? I think the one thing to point out is Keontae
2: Johnson's help, and um, he. It sounds as if he's been really healthy lately. Um, he's been on the court um, for for pretty much. But majority of days I can't I don't know if it's if it's every day he's out there but um, a lot a lot of people are saying he's getting in better shape competing at a really high level I'm looking forward to seeing how he's able to really take control for this team uh, as well as some of the other players on the on the team as well whether it's Naquan Tomlin, Marquise Noel, Desi Sales can make some noise as well. And then some of the freshmen as well with Dorian Finister, Taj Manning. I mean, there's a lot of names to go around. Um, but, you know, it's it's players like that in which if you're able to gel them together, let them settle things on the court together, um, this team – dang it, I'm gonna, I'm really going to say this. This team could go really far when it comes to <laughs> making a Big 12 championship. Okay, okay, okay a little, little disclaimer here. Okay, winning right here. the
0: Big 12 championship, I mean – no, uh, well... Uh, In the future, maybe. Yeah, I was, I, 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 blew it right there. I, I mean, the thing is, John, like, you know, there's people on Twitter. Obviously, I'm really well, excited for this men's I, basketball I, I team. Shouldn't have, I shouldn't and, have said that. And everything, I'm just, I'm wary of, like, KU fans just, like, blowing, because I... Oh, they are. Yeah, I they mean... They already are. I mean, I don't want to pretend like we're going to win a national championship because our coach has a good personality, right? And he's recruited a lot of great players, oh, yeah. obviously. I, but I, it's still, it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah, you're, you're right. Because the thing I worry about, John, is just, like, things are – there's going to be some tough spots. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to lose three, four games in a row. It's just how – the Big 12 is just a complete gauntlet. It's the best conference in college basketball. And I just don't want people to get overly negative when we're still – you know, that's – it's still, it's going to take time for this team to mesh on the court. I'm expecting to see some great things, though.
2: Yeah, and, you know, K-State, fa- K-State fans, they kind of established – more of a perspective on their basketball program compared to some of the others, like you know TCU, but but how how they've been been able to really rise up from um, from the dead in years past, how they're kind of treating themselves as more of a contender now. It, it, it's it's going to it's not gonna click like Iowa State did, you know. But I mean, K State had two players, yeah. two players returning <laughs> Ish and Marquise, and but but the, 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 the The first player who came was around in April or May. I can't really – I can't think. What what was that, Jarrell Colbert? Yep. Um, But, uh, I mean, I I feel like K-State has a a shot at making the NCAA tournament, especially if they're able to – if they're especially able to connect, Um, seeing the way Keontae Johnson plays, if everybody steps up um, into a strong role. Yeah, I mean, the the, the NCAA tournament is – it's it, it's right there it, it's possible you know the big 12 is the strength the schedule of the big 12 is really going to help
0: yeah i mean it- Easily eight teams could make the Big 12 tournament from yeah. the Big 12. I mean, you know, it's it's been done in years past, and it can definitely be done this year. I'm cautiously optimistic, but cautiously I'd optimistic like to see it as well. I'd, I'd like to see it. K-State men's basketball opens, opens their season with an exhibition game against Washburn on November 1st. Now, before we move on to uh, just a quick thing on K-State soccer, I just want to pl- play a quote from Jerome Tang at Media Day that really stuck with me. It's I think it's just a tribute to his great mm-hmm. public speaking. He was asked about what he wants the culture to be uh, at K-State.
1: You have been to a family reunion? That's exactly what it's like.
2: And that's what we want it to be like. Um, you know, um, there are some people that their
1: alarm clock wakes them up in the morning and some guys have to hit the snooze button because like, they just want five more minutes of sleep or they really don't want to go to work. And, uh, my alarm set for 630 and I wake up at 520 and, uh, because I'm excited about going to work and, and that's the environment. We want our players to be like that. We want to be excited about coming to the gym and being with us. And, and I would hope if any one of y'all came and spent some time with us in our program that you'd walk away and say, man, it felt like I was at a family reunion, except without the drunk uncle.
0: <laughs> I mean, how could you not love Jerome Tang? He's just hes just such, so great, so charismatic, and just such a great public speaker. I, I uh, John, I take back everything I said. We're winning the national championship this year. He is the man <laughs> of the
2: people. He is a man of the people. He's gotten the players behind him. He's got the students rallied around him. Uh, a lot of the alumni donors and, and even the media as well. The, the the press conference, like he he slammed that out of a park. Yep. The next thing you know, he just dominates Big 12 Media Days. Uh, just kind of just in a breeze mode. Like he's just happy to be there. Um and now and now he's going to kind of face a little bit more of a challenge because now you got to prove that on the basketball court with the guys you have,
0: yep and uh moving on to k state soccer they're playing uh right after work done here seven p m tonight against k u john uh, if they course. can win this game they are very likely to make the big twelve tournament, which would be a huge milestone for this program mm-hmm. It's more than just a rivalry game here it's first shot at the big twelve champ uh big twelve t- uh tournament, tournament excuse me
2: first time. <laughs> first time in program history i believe k state would be in the big 12 tournament that would be massive. that would be big and how convincing it would be for k state to to do it against your arch rival so uh, so sweet man i mean and k state really could end the season with with some really strong momentum beat oklahoma on sunday you beat can if you beat kansas tonight you you lock up a big 12 champ uh, spot in the big 12 tur- tournament possibly uh and then on top of that uh, you can really solidify yourselves uh, in Morgantown Sunday? Is, are we playing at West Virginia on Sunday after that? Or? I haven't looked
0: that far ahead, nah, if that's I'm being okay.
2: completely honest. I'd, anyway, I, I don't look too let's far Let's move either.
0: along here so we can get keys to victory. I'm just going to talk about these first two games of the Big 12 pretty quickly, then we'll move on to the big one. Um, 11 a.m., ESPN 2, KU Baylor. Uh, KU will put up a fight, but you think Baylor at home is pretty hungry for a win with that Dave Aranda squad. 2 p.m., FS1, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Um, like Texas Tech at home. We'll see if Baron Morton, you know, can have two good games in a row. Mm-hmm. Two bottom feeders, though, so I'm not going to care the that battle much. Battle for John Denver. Battle for John Denver. Who? <laughs> Country Roads is about the western part of Virginia, That's not right. West Virginia. Um, uh, anyway, 2:30 p.m. ABC. John, this is a big one. Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, Texas. Oklahoma State, looking for a bounce back win after the double OT loss to TCU. Texas are six and a half point favorites in this game, even though they're on the road. And Texas, or excuse me, Oklahoma State is 11 in the country. Uh, I think it's a little bit weird, but I mean, John, you know, is Quinn Ewers for real? Um, is Oklahoma State's D fraudulent? These questions will be answered after this game. I think,
2: well, I'm going to be honest with the defensive part. They've been kind of fraudulent <laughs> yeah. this season, yeah. but um, this Texas offense is for real. You got Quinn Ewers in the backfield alongside B. Robinson, they have been a thorn. For almost everybody on that schedule, Um, for Oklahoma State, uh, Spencer man, Spencer Sanders status to one hundred percent near near of a game. Um, if he's a shell of himself and simply can't go in this game, uh, it would leave Gunnar Gundy to take the reins of the Oklahoma State offense. Man, try think thinking about that. Man, that'd be <laughs> crazy. Um, uh, but th- it does feel like a spot for Texas to take off and mark themselves. Uh this is this is their first true road well, the Texas Tech game was a true road game as well, but um this is one of their bigger true road games of the season because you had Oklahoma uh in in a neutral side game as well. I'm just not so on Oklahoma State's defense, and that's just a big mismatch compared to what Texas has offensively. I got the Longhorns.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you there. I'll say this, John. Whoever, I mean, as K-State fans, I don't think it matters who win this game they both have one loss. But whoever wins this game, we have to beat them, whether it's next week against Oklahoma State or the week after against Texas, because I think that tiebreaker is definitely going to come in handy later on at the end of the season. I want to, sorry, I'll just say. Oh, yeah, that's fine i just say, I want to control our own destiny rather than rooting for a team to lose. I mean, on
2: top of that, you could potentially have game day implications if oh, Oklahoma yeah. State pulls it off. I know, I know, I've heard, um, I heard K State and Oklahoma State from a short list for game day. So, both teams just got to do their part. I'm not saying I want Oklahoma State to win, uh, but you know, it's 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 the Big Twelve. Anybody can win on any any given night.
0: All right, let's spend a couple minutes on this one, John. I'm just going to let you take it away here. Big Twelve close to a media deal. Oh, Fox man. ESPN. All
2: right. All right. Okay. Give us
0: give us the dates. So the Big 12 could have a new media rights deal in place with
2: ESPN and Fox within a matter of weeks. Sources tell Dennis Dodd and CBS. Um, they have been aggressively pursuing a new deal um, a lot more earlier than expected. It was the The negotiating window was supposed to open in twenty twenty four. Um, but with the Pac-12 just continuing to look for di- digital streaming partner I and mean, partners such as Amazon or Apple, they still haven't managed to really put the uh, really sign off of anything yet. And um, it's really an opportunity for the Big 12 to take the advantage. You know, um, I mean with uh, the, I mean especially when you have ESPN and Fox who are a, who have really the cable, uh, who have really stronger cable connections and which are easier to watch football games off, off of as well. Um, let me let me think. I, I was scrolling down here a little bit. Um, the Big Twelve did uh, did consider adding a Pacific Time Zone presence to the conference if if it happens to dissolve. Um, that was back in the summer or a little bit earlier. Um, if the Pac twelve here is one little nitpick that, that I did see from this article. If they sign a med- if the Pac twelve signs a media rights deal that's heavy with streaming content, uh, there there could be some looming eyes towards the Big Twelve as well. I'm in mean, on top of that. If the Big 12 if the Big 12 is able to get some kind of TV negotiation earlier than the Pac-12, and if it's a pretty lucrative deal as well, there could be some looming eyes there as well because the Big 12 knows their identity. Everybody's going to be stable for a few more years down, down the road. Meanwhile, the Pac-12, they just can't get anybody to sign off of anything. Oregon and Washington, they want out. They don't want to deal with any more Pac-12. They want to join the Big 10, all that stuff. Um, so the Pac-12 is in a bad spot. Especially, I mean, things are going to get even worse if the Big 12 sign things off, um, because they, because not only are you going to benefit off of uh, ESPN and Fox giving you better time slots, better negotiations, more more money, but um, y- the Pac-12 they're going to be just out and, out left in the cold potentially with Amazon as a streaming partner, but. Uh, there's not too many programs that are ready for the heavy streaming just yet.
0: Yeah, and this stuff is going to take a while to play out, but we'll be right there to cover it, John. That's right. Coming up next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove gives our keys to victory and score prediction for the TCU game, and we'll do some Wimigo High School football. Up next on the Shake and Blake Show with Blake Crawford and John Grove. And we're back on the Shake and Blake Show live here on Wildcat 91.9. Blake Crawford and John Grove here for We talked about at the beginning of the show, John. One of the biggest games K-State has had in a long time. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m., FS1. Tim Brando's on the call, which is (sighs) something. Um, John, let's give a quick injury update here before we give our keys. Um, Chris Kleinman basically said every player that played against Iowa State Um, two weeks ago was going to play, especially Khalid Duke. It looks like he is on track to play on Saturday. And especially exciting for Nate Matlack, who I think really needed that bye week. He's going to be healthier than he has since the two-lane game. So I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, Let's hear your keys to victory for this really big game against TCU and Fort Worth. So really, I'll start off with the defense. You have got to make
2: uh, TCU earn it. They lead the conference in explosive plays. Uh, they, they had a long sustain. they can have a long sustained drive as long as they score or they can, uh, they can just come up with an offensive explosive play as well. They, um, they're ranked number one in offensive explosive plays. Uh, it's 20, they have 24% when it comes to, uh, plays that are 10 yards or more, not 9% when it comes to 20 plus yards as well. Um, so you really got to, uh, Shut down Quentin Johnson as much as possible. I mean, he's emerged as uh, as an absolute threat um, over the past two weeks. He, uh, he, after starting off a little slow, he recorded 14 catches, 206 yards, and he scored tw- and he scored two weeks ago against Kansas and followed that up uh, with a with a sh- lights out performance uh, uh, lights out performance uh, against Oklahoma State as well. And then as well, I saw this earlier from Ace Ace Edwards of the uh, – uh, Alley cats, um, you got to control the clock, dominate the time of position. That is the cleanest way you're going to play. Uh, it's, it's kind of just like going back to the Bill Snyder route. I mean, TCU is going to start off explosive, and we've seen in the past few weeks K-State just always started explosive. But at the same time, the offense has kind of uh, just been off, off the field, giving the defense way too much time on the field. So the offense has got to manage, uh, try and find every way to get Deuce in the game. Get get DJ Kitten some snaps as well because oh, yeah. he, he's is he, due for more snaps. I think that I mean he really sealed the deal against Iowa State. Um, but what, what pretty much what he said: you got to control the clock, dominate for times time of possession. You got to find ways to steal uh, one or two more possessions away from TCU uh, in order to prevent from them making the bigger plays. How about this for a key to
0: victory, John? Go ahead. Win the coin toss. There's, <laughs> yeah, I think I heard that. What was it? We're like seven and zero in the coin tosses. <laughs> yeah, I, we just been crushing it in the coin toss this year. But I bring that up because they're expected to be a lot of wind in Fort Worth for this game. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you can put Max Duggan in the TCU offense against the wind, I mean that's actually going to make a significant impact on that offense. Because uh, I mean. I think the identity of K-State being a bend but don't break defense, is it's what we've been doing for decades. I mean, I fully expect us to be able to keep TCU in front of us and be able to, hope. I mean I expect them to just nickel and dime us with some hitch routes, but if we're not getting beat over the top that is definitely a win for this K-State defense. And I think the thing defensively for both teams that I'm going to be keeping my eye on is fourth down stops. I think there's going to be a lot of fourth down attempts in this game. I think touchdowns are going to win this game, not field goals. And I think there's going to be going for it a lot on fourth down. So if you can, you know, get to those fourth and threes, you know, and be able to make a stop there, I think that's going to be what turns the tide in this game. Well, definitely not the field goals. I mean, you're, you you just mentioned it, but how Wendy's
2: going to be, uh, there could be a, a possibility that that field goals will be missed. So, um, for K State's perspective, um, you, there's a strong opportunity, especially after being well rested. Um, the offensive line can rise up to the occasion against an OK TCU defensive line. Besides, besides Jamoy Hodges, uh, I'm just not seeing it from too many from too many L from from, uh, from others. Um, you just got to create some more gaps in order for Deuce uh, and and DJ getting to really rip rip some stuff up. Um, and then I think uh, what what else was I going to touch on?
0: Oh, I missed it. There's I, too there's I, too much yeah. to talk about, John. Okay, there's a lot to talk. No, about. I'll, I'll I'll get the conversation going here. I mentioned this a little bit with Anthony from Frogs of War earlier on in the show, but I mean, neither team really turns the ball over that much. Um, so if somebody can force a turnover, K State's plus eight in the turnover margin this season. If we're able to force a turnover on Max Duggan, you know, if he throws a non-garbage time pick. I think that could be what also turns the tide in this game. Um, and obviously Adrian Martinez. I mean, I. It's he needs to stay perfect, hopefully, and not throw an interception. And we do, and we do know that TCU
2: has a little more of a taller, of, of a taller advantage with with the wide receivers. Oh yeah, the K State secondaries can can they can also be lengthy, and they are very athletic as well. Um, referring to Josh Hayes, Julius Brins, Um those are really gonna that that's gonna be the matchup really. Um, Quentin Johnson and the wide receivers against a a, a strong core in the K State secondaries. That's gonna be really the the matchup that. From my perspective, is really going to make a key difference because um, you, you got when it comes to the TCU offense and the K State defense, that's really like when the best uh, best best
0: teams on, yeah. on the line of scrimmage will collide. Yeah, I think TCU is obviously the number one scoring offense in the Big Twelve, but K State's the number two scoring defense well, in the Big Twelve, so it's a battle of giants.
2: I mean, not just for Big Twelve, TCU is the number three scoring yeah. offense in the country. I mean, that this is going to be a tall task for the defense. This is not the TCU team from last year. I mean, we, we mentioned it uh, earlier, I mean, this past week, the offense had to get battle-tested against one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, now you have to flip the script. The defense has historically started a little bit slow this this, this season. You let Hunter Deckers um, get some open wide receivers early on in the first quarter. You got things settled in. You're dealing with a, with a, with a hybrid in TCU. It's, it's not going to be easy, but um, –
0: it, it is what it is. We'll see what happens from there. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what, like, people you mentioned, Julius Pence and Josh Hayes, do. It's going to be a really fun challenge for him. Kobe Savage talked about in a press conference earlier, I believe TCU was his dream school going up. So I know this mm-hmm. is going to – he's really excited for this match. I'm expecting a big game from him. I believe – I believe uh, – what, what was it? Yeah, four –
2: yeah, four Texas kids on offense – of, of course, do so. He's from yeah. he's in Round Rock, around the Dallas area, and we have four players from the state of Texas as well. And Josh Hayes mentioned as well in one of the press conferences, uh, there is nothing that that will get him more juiced up than playing a bunch of Texas <laughs> schools. Uh, I mean, he he will have a chip on his shoulder, and as well as a lot of players who who have a lot yeah. of ties to the state of Texas. All right, let's get a score prediction, John. How are we seeing this game playing out? All right, so K-State will try and establish for run early. I'm kind of doing this as a little scenario. I think K-State needs a little more product, uh, productive possessions all night. Um, TCU can score in bunches, while K-State has proven to be able to take big punches and bounce back. But I think the difference in the game is, is K-State's physicality on the defensive line. that will force Duggan out of his progressions. Uh, you also got to point out as well that this is a horribly uh, horribly timed uh, schedule for TCU. Oh man. Um just what the amount of top twenty five teams they played. Four in a row. And, just... and and on top of that, this is probably the most physical defense TCU was playing. I don't know if I'm liking to take my chances. K State historically has dominated TCU's offensive line. Uh and you know it's it's a potential letdown situation for the Frogs as well. So with that being said, I think it's really close. I think K State wins
0: 34-28. Oh my gosh I have the same score. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it has to be. It has, my man. It has to be thirty four twenty eight. I completely agree with you. I think the difference is going to be our defensive line versus their offensive line, going to create a lot of havoc. I think if we can force a turnover, that'll be really huge as well. Get just a little bit of the passing game. Maybe going. get maybe get a special teams play in as well. Oh. That'd be very beneficial. Oh yeah, if we, I mean, they haven't really kicked to us in a long time, so maybe TCU is dumb enough to let Philip Brooks or Malik Knowles take a kick back for a touchdown because that would make a huge difference. All right, John, we've covered K State sports. Um, thank you for listening to our K State a section of the show on Wildcat 91. We're going to take a quick break, talk about some Wamego High School football up next. And before we go, Cats by 90. Cats by 90. <laughs>